Part three, chapter eleven of Bonaventure, a prose pastoral of Acadian Louisiana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bonaventure, a prose pastoral of Acadian Louisiana by George W. Cable. Part three, chapter eleven. He asks her again. Claude and his father left the next day, Saturday. Only the author of the A of U.I. knew whither they were gone. As they were going, he said very privately to Claude, I'll be with you day after tomorrow. You can't be ready for me before then, and you and your father can take Sunday to look around and kind of see the city. But don't go into the downtown part. You'll not like it. Nothing but narrow streets and old buildings with histories to them, and gardens hid away inside of them, and damp archways and pagan-looking females who can't talk English, peeping out over balconies that offer to drop down on you and then don't keep their word. Everything old-timey and Frenchy and Spanishy, unprogressive. You wouldn't like it. Go uptown. That's American. It's new and fresh. There you'll find beautiful mansions, mostly frame, it's true, but made to look like stone, you know. There you'll see wealth. There you'll get the broad daylight, the merry, merry sunshine that makes the heart so gay. See? Yes, and Monday we'll meet at Jones's, 17 Chupatula Street. All right, I'll be on hand, but today and tomorrow, Alabama, here I rest. I feel constrained. He laid his hand upon his heart, closed one eye, and whispered, To stay. I would fain spend the Sabbath in sweet Vermilionville. You get my idea? The Sabbath afternoon, beyond the town where Mr. Tarbox strolled, was lovelier than can be told. Yet he was troubled. Zosephine had not thus far given him a moment alone. I suppose when a hundred generations more have succeeded us on the earth, lovers will still be blind to the fact that women do not do things our way how can they that would be capitulation at once and even we should find the whole business as stupid as shooting barnyard fowls Josephine had walked out earlier than tarbox he had seen her go but dared not follow he read thou shalt not as plain as print on her back as she walked quietly away that same little peremptory back that once in her father's calèche used to hold itself stiff when Tanaz rode up behind. The occasional townsman that lifted his slouch hat in deep deference to her silent bow did not read unusual care on her fair brow, yet she too was troubled. Marguerite, she was the trouble. Zosephine knew her child could never come back to these old surroundings and be content. The mother was not willing she should. She looked at a photograph that her daughter had lately sent her. What a change from the child that had left her! It was like the change from a leaf to a flower. There was but one thing to do, follow her. So Zosephine had resolved to sell the inn. She was gone now to talk with the old ex-governor about finding a purchaser. Her route was not by the avenue of oaks, but around by a northern and then eastern circuit. 
she knew mr tarbox must have seen her go had a genuine fear that he would guess whither she was bound and yet deeper down in her heart than woman ever let soliloquy go was willing he should for she had another trouble we shall come to that presently her suitor walked in the avenue of oaks she's gone he reckoned to himself to consult the governor about something and she'll come back this way he loitered out across fields but not too far off or out of sight and by and by there she came with just the slightest haste in her walk she received him with kindly reserve and they went more slowly together she told where she had been and that the governor had approved a decision she had made yes i go and sell my hotel he's right exclaimed her companion with joy and you're right well tain't sold yet she responded she did not smile as she looked at him he read trouble some trouble apart from the subject in her quiet intense eyes you know somebody want buy dat she asked i'll find someone he promptly replied then they talked a little about the proper price for it and then were very still until mr tarbox said i walked out here hoping to meet you madame beausoleil looked slightly startled and then bowed gravely yes i want your advice it's only business but it's important and it's a point where a woman's instinct is better than a man's judgment there was some melancholy satire in her responding smile but it passed away and mr tarbox went on you never liked my line of business zosephine interrupted with kind resentment ah no i know you didn't you're one of the few women whose subscription i've sought in vain till then i loved my business i've never loved it since i've decided to sell out and quit i'm going into another business one that you'll admire i don't say anything about the man going into it honor and shame from no condition rise act well your part there all the honor lies but i want your advice about the party i think of going in with it's claude st pierre zosephine turned upon the speaker a look of steady penetration he met it with a glance of perfect confiding she sees me he said at the same time far within himself it was as natural to mr tarbox to spin a web as it is for a spider to manoeuvre was the profoundest instinct of his unprofound nature zosephine felt the slender threads weaving around her but in her heart of hearts there was a certain pleasure in being snared it could not to her seem wholly bad for tarbox to play spider provided he should play the harmless spider mr tarbox spoke again and she listened amiably claude is talented he has what i haven't i have what he hasn't and together we could make each other's fortune if he's only the square high-style fellow i think he is i'm a student of human nature and i think i've made him out i think he'll do to tie to but will he you can tell me you read people by instinct i ask you just as a matter of business advice and in business confidence what do you think 
Will you trust me and tell me, as my one only trusted friend, freely and fully, as I would tell you? Madame Beausoleil felt the odds against her, but she looked into her companion's face with bright, frank eyes and said, Yes, I think yes, I think tis so. Thanks, said her friend with unnecessary fervor and tenderness. Then Claude will be my partner, unless... My dear friend, shall you be so kind, I might almost say confiding, to me, and me not tell you something I think you'd ought to know? For I hope we are always to be friends, don't you? Yes, she said very sadly and sweetly. Thanks, and if Claude and I become partners, that will naturally bring him into our circle, as it were, see? The little madame looked up with a sudden austere exaltation of frame and intensity of face, but her companion rushed on with, And I'm going to tell you, let the risk to me be what it may, that it may result in great unhappiness to Claude, for he loves your daughter, who I know you must think too good for him. Madame Beausoleil blushed as though she herself were Marguerite and Tarbox were Claude. Ah, love, Marguerite, na, na, he don't love nobody but his papa, his papa tell me dat. Ah, na, tis not so. Mr. Tarbox stopped still, and when Zosephine saw they were in the shadow of the trees, while all about them was brightened by the momentary southern twilight, she too stopped, and he spoke. What brought Claude back here when by right he should have gone straight to the city? You might have guessed it when you saw him. He paused to let her resolve the thought, and added in his own mind, If you had disliked the idea, you'd have suspected him quick enough, and was pleased. He spoke again. But I didn't stop with guessing. Zosephine looked up to his face from the little foot that edgewise was writing nothings in the dust. No, continued her companion, I walked with him two evenings ago in this avenue, and right where we stand now, without his ever knowing it, then or now, he as good as told me. Yes, Josephine, he dares to love your beautiful and accomplished daughter. The thought may offend you, but— was I not right to tell you? She nodded and began to move slowly on, he following. I'm not betraying anyone's confidence, persisted he, and I can't help but have a care for you. Not that you need it or anybody's. You can take care of yourself if any man or woman can. Every time your foot touches the ground, it says so as plain as words. That's what first caught my fancy. You haven't got to have somebody to take care of you. Oh, Josephine, that's just why I want to take care of you so bad. I can take care of myself, and I used to like to do it. I was just that selfish and small. But love's widened me. I can take care of myself, but, oh, what satisfaction is there in it? Is there any? Now I ask you. It may do for you, for you're worth taking care of. "'but I want to take care of something I needn't be ashamed to love.' "'He softly stole her hand as they went. "'She let it stay, yet looked away from him, "'up through the darkling branches, and distressfully shook her head. 
"'Don't, Josephine, don't do that. I want you to take care of me. You could do better, I know, if love wasn't the count. But when it comes to loving you, I'm the addition de luxe. I know you've an aspiring nature, but so have I. And I believe with you to love and you loving me and counseling and guiding me, I could climb high.' Oh, Josephine, it isn't this poor tar-box I'm asking you to give yourself to. It's the tar-box that is to be. It's the coming tar-box. Why, it's even a good business move. If it wasn't, I wouldn't say a word. You know I can and will take the very best care of everything you've got, and I know you'll take the same of mine. It's a good move every way. Why, here's everything just fixed for it. "'Listen to the mockingbird. "'See him yonder, just at the right of the stile. "'See? "'Oh, Josephine, don't you see he isn't "'still singing where the weeping willow waves? "'He's on the myrtle, the myrtle, Josephine, "'and the crape myrtle at that. "'Widowhood unwidowed. "'Now he's on the fence, but he'll not stay there, "'and you mustn't either.' "'The suitor smiled at his own ludicrousness, yet for all that looked beseechingly in earnest. He stood still again, continuing to hold her hand. She stole a furtive glance here and there for possible spectators. He smiled again. You don't see anybody. The world waves its claim. But there was such distress in her face that his smile passed away, and he made a new effort to accommodate his suit to her mood. "'Josephine, there's no eye on us except it's overhead. "'Tell me this. "'If he that was yours until ten years ago "'was looking down now and could speak to us, "'don't you believe he'd say yes?' "'Oh, I don't know. "'Not to-day. "'Not dis day.' "'The widow's eyes met his gaze of tender inquiry "'and then sank to the ground. "'She shook her head mournfully. "'No, no, not dis day.' "'Tis to-day Tanaz was kill.' Mr. Tarbox relaxed his grasp, and Zosephine's hand escaped. She never had betrayed to him so much distress as filled her face now. "'De man what kill him get away. You tink I get merry while dat man alive? Ho! You tink I let Marguerite see me do dat? Ah, no. She waved him away and turned to leave the spot, but he pressed after, and she paused once more. A new possibility lighted his eyes. He said eagerly, "'Describe the man to me. Describe him. How tall was he? How old would he be now? Did they try to catch him? Did you hear me talking yesterday about a man? Is there any picture of him? Have you got one? Yes, you have. It's in your pocket now with your hand on it. Let me see it. Ah, uh, I didn't want you to see that.' "'No, I don't suppose, as far as you know yourself, you did.' He received it from her, and with his eyes still on her, continued, "'No, but you knew that if I got a ghost of a chance, I'd see you alone. You knew what I'd ask you. Yes, you did, Josephine, and you put this thing into your pocket to make it easier to say no.' "'Ha! Easier! Ha! Easier! I need something to help me do that? Ha! Tis not so!' But the weakness of the wordy denial was itself almost a confession. They moved on. A few steps brought them into better light. Mr. Tarbox looked at the picture. 
Zosephine saw a slight flash of recognition. He handed it back in silence, and they walked on, saying not a word until they reached the stile. But there, putting his foot upon it to bar the way, he said, "'Josephine, the devil never bid so high for me before in his life as he's bidding for me now. And there's only one thing in the way. He's bid too late.' Her eyes flashed with injured resentment. "'Ah, you, you don't know nothing. But he interrupted. "'Stop. I don't mean more than just what I say. Six years ago, six and a half, I met a man of a kind I'd never met to know it before. You know who I mean, don't you?' "'Bonaventure?' "'Yes. That meeting made a turning point in my life.' "'You've told me that whatever is best in you you owe to him. "'Well, knowing him as I do, I can believe it. "'And if it's true, then it's the same with me. "'For first he, and then you, have made another man out of me.' "'Ah, no, Bonaventure, maybe, but not me. Ah, no. "'But I tell you, yes, you, Josephine. "'I'm poor sort enough yet.' "'but I could have done things once that I can't do now. "'There was a time when if some miserable outlaw stood, "'or even seemed, maybe, to stand between me and my chances for happiness, "'I could have handed him over to human justice, so-called, as easy as wink. "'But now? No, never any more. "'Josephine, I know that man whose picture I've just looked at. I could see you avenged. I could lay my hands and the hands of the law on him inside of twenty-four hours. You say you can't marry till the law has laid its penalties on him, or at least while he lives and escapes them. Is that right? Zosephine had set her face to oppose his words only with unyielding silence, but the answer escaped her. Yes, tis so. Tis right. "'No, Josephine, I know you feel as if it were, but you don't think so. "'No, you don't. I know you better in this matter than you know yourself, "'and you don't think it's right. "'You know justice belongs to the state, "'and that when you talk to yourself about what you owe to justice, "'it means something else that you're too sweet and good "'to give the right name to and still want it. "'You don't want it. You don't want revenge, and here's the proof. For, Josephine, you know and I know that if I, even without speaking, with no more than one look of the eye, should offer to buy your favor at that price, even ever so lawfully, you'd thank me for one minute and then loathe me to the end of your days. Josephine's face had lost its hardness. It was drawn with distress. With a gesture of repulsion and pain, she exclaimed, "'I didn't mean... I didn't mean... ah!' "'What, private revenge? No, of course you didn't. But what else would it be? Oh, Josephine, don't I know you didn't mean it? Didn't I tell you so? But I want you to go farther. I want you to put away forever the feeling. I want to move and stand between you and it, and say... "'whatever it costs me to say it. "'God forbid. "'I do say it. "'I say it now. "'I can't say more. "'I can't say less. "'And somehow, I don't know how, "'wherever you learned it, "'I've learned it from you.' "'Sosephine opened her lips to refuse, "'but they closed and tightened upon each other. 
Her narrowed eyes sent short flashes out upon his, and her breath came and went long and deep without sound. But at his last word she saw, the strangest thing, to be where she saw it, a tear, tears, standing in his eyes, saw them a moment, and then could see them no more for her own. Her lips relaxed, her form drooped, she lifted her face to reply, but her mouth twitched. She could not speak. "'I'm not so foolish as I look,' he said, trying to smile away his emotion. "'If the State chooses to hunt him out and put him to trial and punishment, I don't say I'd stand in the way. That's the State's business. That's for the public's safety. But it's too late. You and Bonnyventure have made it too late for me to help anyone.' least of all the one I love, to be revenged. He saw his words were prevailing and followed them up. Oh, you don't need it any more than you really want it, Josephine. You mustn't ever look toward it again. I throw myself and my love across the path. Don't walk over us. Take my hand. Give me yours. Come another way. And if you'll let such a poor excuse for a teacher and guide help you, I'll help you all I can to learn to say, Forgive us our trespasses. You can begin now by forgiving me. I may have thrown away my last chance with you, but I can't help it. It's my love that spoke. And if I have spoiled all, and if I've got to pay for the tears you're shedding with the greatest disappointment of my life, still I've had the glory and the sanctification of loving you. If I must say, I can say, tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Must I? Are you going to make me say that? Sosephine, still in tears, silently and with drooping head, pushed her way across the stile and left him standing on the other side. He sent one pleading word after her. Isn't it most too late to go the rest of the way alone? She turned, lifted her eyes to his for an instant, and nodded. In a twinkling he was at her side. She glanced at him again and said quite contentedly, "'Yes, tis so,' and they went the short remnant of the way together. End of Part 3, Chapter 11